Okay. 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 Back to one. Okay. Back to one. Okay. Back to one. Welcome to Okay. Back to one. I'm Carrie Carlock, and on this episode, I'm talking to editor Lex Benedict about loving genre, diving into the footage of my latest film, Suffer, and rising from the ashes. Her latest feature, The Greatest Inheritance, is available now for pre-order. necklace from when I was a kid cute where did you get that my mom got it when I was like five it's good luck (laughs) especially with genre talk yes exactly um well let's have some genre talk then did you always love sci-fi and fantasy always always um my dad was in the marines and he was gone a lot when I was little and my mom had me when she was 19 And my dad was 22 and we were stationed in Beaufort, South Carolina. And me and my mom were a home a lot by ourselves. And I became her best friend and her little girl. So early on, Secret of Nim was always on. And whatever she was reading when she went to bed, I'd be like, mom, read it out loud to me. So I remember being like four and her reading Terry Brooks's um, sort of Shannara to me. And so we really loved Terry Brooks. If Terry Brooks had a new book out, she would read it to me before bed. That was my bedtime stories, but also Stephen King, like his Dark Tower series. So she really treated me like I was way older than I was. So I know where her love of it came from. It would probably be just the love of the cinema. She also grew up in a military family. And so a lot of the times as kids, you're left entertaining yourself. Mm-hmm. And I know movies was definitely something that she was always into. Horror, sci-fi, fantasy, main staples in our house. If my dad came home, it would be a comedy. But even he loved like, uh, he got me into Lord of the Rings because uh-huh. he played D&D when he was deployed and he rolled a halfling. So that's how I first got my first copy of The Hobbit. Wow. It's like ingrained in your family. <laughs> it is, but still didn't realize I could do that. Yeah. That I could make these. It was just something that I loved. It was like becoming a vegetarian. I didn't realize I didn't have to eat meat as a human. Right, 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 right. I was like, there's an option? Like, yeah. won't I die? And same thing with like Hollywood. I never dreamed of coming to LA. Like this is a bigger dream than ever I dreamed as a child. So when you went to college, you were studying fine art? Yes, painting and uh, art psychology. I wanted to do art therapy. Oh, wow. Yeah, help children with trauma, use art to kind of deal through that because uh, medication when I was younger was the first like thing that my friends as kids were getting. And I remember a lot of ADHD Mm-hmm, like Ritalin and all that Ritalin stuff and happening like, yeah. yeah and so I was like how about I try one of the other things because I really want to help kids kind of deal mm-hmm. with their stuff nobody listens to kids it's like be seen not heard and I think that's why I loved ET so much speaking of ET wearing my ET necklace is that you never saw the parents until like mm-hmm. the third act yeah and, and then I just thought then, that was so cool by then the adults are like scary yeah so scary <laughs> solid pass (laughs) yeah (laughs) stranger things does a good job of making the adults 
listen to the kids. I really mm-hmm. like that about Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't feel as as eighties. It doesn't feel like that nostalgic as eighties to me. That like kids just have their own world. I agree. You know I agree. I mean? Yeah, come in, come in when the street lights are on. Like my parents never checked on me. Like right. unless you were bleeding, your parents didn't know what you did that day right. <laughs> after school. Totally. <laughs> So what was the transition from fine art to film? Actually, it was just access to cameras. You know, I graduated high school in 99 and you had like little prosumer mini DV cameras finally that you could get your hands on and you had fisheye lenses so you could, you know, film your friends skateboarding. And I always loved Jackass because as films, those were just friends getting together and filming and it didn't have to be cinematic. It was still entertaining. So that was when I first started filming my friends on the weekend, doing faux interviews and doing like how-to videos. And this is really before super internet time, like like Insta Messenger and message boards. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, I don't even know how do I guess I would have uploaded a video then, but I do remember like Windows Media Player. So, but I don't remember sharing videos besides like hooking up the camera to our TV and watching the tapes. Right. And I did do some tape to tape editing, but it was like really bad. (laughs) (laughs) But that was like 99. Uh Uh-huh. And then I met my husband in 2003 and then it just entertained us. It was like a date to film stuff on the weekends with our friends. So we would do like unsolved mystery videos and we did rock the vote PSA for MTV. And that's when I really started to learn editing was when you could finally get Final Cut Pro Studio. Apple really changed the game for you to like hands-on learn how to edit. I remember like Sony Vegas and stuff like that, which I think are still around, but it was really... Final Cut Pro 5 that I was like, oh my gosh, we have GarageBand. I can make my own music. Like, I don't need anybody. I'm a filmmaker. So definitely Apple changed the game for like indie filmmakers, I think, that I had access to. And so how did you zero in on editing? Nobody else likes it. I think really, you know, all my friends were director writers and I have no words to be a director. And I was like, well, I'm really good at organizing and time management and I can't quit something. I don't give up. So that's always like puzzles. Yes. Well, sometimes I was much more likely to read a book than to do a puzzle, Mm -hmm. but I did like quilting and hands-on stuff. And I Mm -hmm. like cooking a lot. So I like seeing, collecting the elements for your recipe and then seeing what comes out of that, which I, I think like that. Yeah. Yes. I, I, it's always, and especially since I came from like reality TV, that's really more documentary style where it's just like all this raw material and what can you make out of it? You know, which I love too. But There's some indie filmmaking in reality television for sure. Oh my gosh. Yes. You have to be super gritty and like, just get it done. Right. So, so all of all the things that you've said so far is exactly why when I saw your website, I was like, this is the woman for us because I was looking for editors after we shot suffer. And I just think this is like, this is exactly why they tell you to 
be specific about who you are and what you like, because your bio was just like, this is the woman. Oh my God, this is the woman. And, you know, I interviewed other people, but it's like, I always knew that it was you. <laughs> like, cool, this is like what I dreamed to do. And like, when you re- reached out to me, it was actually the first time anybody from Glass Elevator had reached out to me. Yeah, and- I, had found, I had found your uh, info, just kind of looking through Glass Elevator for editors. So I was like, what? I, I like ran out and told my husband, I was like, somebody reached out to me and it's about a fantasy movie. I was like, <laughs> what is this life? <laughs> yeah, because I mean, so far, what made me think of it is so far in this interview, you've talked about Lord of the Rings, Jackass, E.T. It's like, those are all the things that are like, well, maybe not so much Jackass for this movie, but just like you have this wide scope uh, that you pull from that I think is super interesting. You're just very specific about what you like. And I, it was really eye-opening that it was like, oh my gosh, this person is telling me that they're exactly right for my project. Where usually, you know, you're going to have to talk to somebody a couple times and your references were like already in line with our references. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah, no, it it's, Suffer has been a great joy to me because as an indie filmmaker, fantasy and sci-fi are kind of low on the offerings because it costs so much to make. Mm, mm-hmm. And a lot of people aren't brave about doing it, especially if it's historical fantasy or set in a time that's not current. Like we right. can tweak some stuff if it's current and still make it fit into that genre box. But you guys were doing full out costumes and it was medieval. And I was like, yes, absolutely. Count me in. Take my money. You're like, these people are crazy. I, I'm in. <laughs> I love crazy. In the best way, right? Yeah. The best way. I guess. And you'll have a big vision and you have good taste. And that appeals to me. Yeah. Because not everybody here has good taste in Hollywood. And some people are still figuring out their tastes. And I, I feel like we're at the same place in our careers creatively. Yeah. So that's just really nice. Yeah. Well, and you've brought interesting references into our view. And that has been really fun to open our eyes. Like I had never seen Red Sonia before. And, you know, there's just been, it's just been so fun to collaborate with you. And grow together. Yeah, totally. Hopefully. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, you know, when you got the footage, how did you want to approach the the project? Well, it's interesting. You had done a fantastic string out. Like you sending your assembly got me excited. And so, let me say, I did that because I knew <laughs> we didn't have a clapboard. We didn't have anybody taking notes. Like I knew that it was all over the place. And I just thought, it's all in my head. I can at least lay it out in order. Yeah. Really just in order. That's all it is. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I would, but I was entertained watching it even with like no sound design and barely even music. I was like, this is beautiful. I love Ida. And it's unique because we don't have a lot of dialogue in our film. So I didn't even need that aspect. And I was still like all in. So definitely when I first got the footage, I needed to familiarize myself with everything that y'all had because as an indie filmmaker you find yourself repurposing stuff yes as needed so I have been and I'm still doing that because y'all shot an epic amount of stuff 
So like even that one scene recently, I was like, ooh, I could use this. And I don't want to give any spoilers away, but there was stuff that I could use that worked for us. And I think that's the beauty of shooting in kind of one costume. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So that was very smart of you guys to -hmm. shoot that way because there is stuff that we can use as transitions, not necessarily story stuff because there is a, you know, a hero's journey happening. But in terms of like transition and the traveling, that's nice to have kind of some stuff that I can pilfer (laughs) to use later. Yes, yes. So familiarizing myself with the footage, everything that we have and kind of just simmering in it so that when I do get notes on cuts because we're trying new stuff and, and we're trying to elevate what we have, being able to come up with new ideas because I'm fresh eyes to you guys. Yeah, so. I, I referenced the documentary style because we were getting a little down and then we saw this documentary that was, you know, when you make a documentary, you usually have a subject that you've interviewed, right? And that's the basis of what you're going to build your movie around. Yeah. And this, they had done this, the interview with the subject, the subject decided that he didn't want to be on camera. So then they had decided to have an actor lip sync the interview so that they could have this like visual. And then, you know, they, it was a story told in sort of flashbacks. So then they did animated flashback sequences. And then they had the other classmates that were involved interviewed you know and so they really they had to layer they had to find it because they had to find layers and I think that's what we were struggling with is we we were like oh we keep having to go back but really we it's sort of like we had this basis we had this magical moment in time where everything lined up that we could shoot in in Idaho for three weeks in a pandemic in a pandemic so we did like sort of this block of shooting and got the basis of the story and then sort of the molding has been more kind of like a documentary film yeah the script that we shot we came back and we said oh our antagonist needs to do some heavy lifting so we need to rewrite the prince so that he kind of driving some stuff so we did that and then we shot the prince and we gave that to you and then we're like oh you know we need all this kind of connective tissue and we went to go get pickups but it snowed and then like we kind of felt like failures but but we were trying to shift to this idea of like this is a different project it's sort of additive rather than like stuck with this or what we have no I didn't know this I thought the opposite I thought that you guys got back from shooting and you were like oh my gosh this is so amazing what we got how can we like elevate this this is a bigger project than what we originally thought well that's another thing I love about you you're so positive (laughs) (laughs) was it feedback that got you guys there or like do you think that like is feedback a good part of the process or a stressful part of the process I do I mean I think feedback is a great part of the process but I I think in this case this is just a fallacy that we're told that to make a movie you go and you shoot it and then you edit it and it is not that easy you are going to go back you are going to restructure things like it's not going to be the script you know that's not the end of it when you shoot it and then just you magically put it together like this is a process yeah it's like sculpting totally yes and just because we have to go back doesn't mean we failed but I think that's what the story we were telling ourselves you know and, and that, and that kind of sucks that we feel that way because all of the big movies have reshot. 
Oh my like, God. Back that, to that the future like, recast. Like Eric Stoltz was the original Marty McFly and yeah, they like, shot it. Right, right, right. So you're not discouraged by us keep saying, well, we're going to go shoot stuff. No, I'm actually excited about it. I'm looking at it like it's an experiment. Yeah. And, you know, you guys are the first time I've worked with a husband and wife directorial team. Like mm-hmm. you guys are the first time I've worked with a directorial duo. So that's very interesting to me. Uh, I took Ron Howard's masterclass last year and I love Ron Howard. I know you guys do. I did that Hello. too. Yeah. So good. And so his, good. the power of three creators remind me. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. So he thinks that the way to make the best film is to have three main creative collaborating components. And it could be the director, the writer, the editor can be the writer, the cinematographer, you know, and I'm sure at some point in the movie process, that's a different person. But when you get to the edit, it's nice that we already have three people to get feedback from and build each other up and uplift and throw ideas off. And I just think it's way more freeing than being one-on-one, which is also fun. You're just like, we, we all have a chance to be a mediator in terms of like throwing ideas against the wall and being like, yes, that's good. Or we'll see what the best one floats to the top. Or, you know, like we already have three powerhouses that are kind of getting to like do it together. So that's fun for me. Yeah. So pickups are fun. I'm like, Ooh, what are they going to give me? Like, <laughs> wait until you see the new batch. <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah. Well, I like that you said that it's an experiment. Cause I guess it's sort of been a, an experiment from the beginning. You know, we, 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 our script that we took to Idaho was 35 pages. We did some research watching other movies that are similar in that they don't have dialogue. The, um, headhunter, headhunter, the man in the, um, the Robert Redford one where he's stranded on a boat, he's by himself. It's sort of like these single character movies that they yeah. don't have anybody to talk to. So there's no dialogue. And they were all, you know, about that length. So we were like, yeah. okay, we think this is going to work. And, but we didn't know until we had that string out like, oh, okay. Yeah, we do have <laughs> 90 to hundred minutes of footage here. <laughs> we have the broad strokes. Right. For yeah. sure. Right. So now we're just like dialing in everything. And yeah, and I think that's new for you guys. Cause Armstrong was a pretty like structured process, right? Yes. Well, that's the thing is it was very, very structured because our sort of philosophy was we have no money. So we better be, we better know exactly what we want to get and be totally on top of our game. And, and so it was like pre storyboarded and everything. And just so like, we were very, very structured, but then in the end, that screwed us so we're so now we've gone the totally other way <laughs> we're like we're not gonna be structured at all and so maybe the next movie will be like we'll find the sweet spot <laughs> middle ground <laughs> well I'm having fun on supper like well, I love I, what you bring yeah. to you ideas you bring to it you know references you bring to it like we could do this we could do that this worked in this movie um and I just love that your scope of knowledge is just really fun to hear what you have to say and ideas that come from that it's just such a pleasure oh thank you yeah so you know we have lots of things up our sleeves right to like so much up our sleeves sleeves. magic even (laughs) magic we don't know what it looks like but it's there (laughs) yeah what are some of the scenes you're most excited about oh I'm really excited about fleshing out her and the Scarlet Prince's 
meetups. I don't want to give anything away. But I'm really excited to see how those end up, like what we decide, because we're still playing and we're still yeah. figuring that out. So sometimes you want to fast forward and be like, Ta-da! not because I'm not patient, but I'm just, I'm excited. Am an audience for your film. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited right. as the audience, not just as the editor, to see this. <laughs> we're we want to see this movie. We're going to get, we're going to pre-buy the tickets to go see this movie in the theater. I'm ready. <laughs> I'll bring snacks. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm really excited about that. I just love Ida. I have such a girl crush on her. <laughs> you know, because like yeah. when you read. You know, it's never a commoner. It's always a princess who is dropped off at the commoners and then she finds out she's a princess. Right, right. You know, at the end of the day, Ida is still a common girl who yeah. is put in this impossible situation that she was not prepared for or raised for. Mm -hmm. And I feel that way coming to LA <laughs> and not knowing anybody. <laughs> yeah, in life. And I'm self-taught as an editor. Right just by beating my head against things for 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> so me and Ida have a lot in common, except for <laughs> I want her red hair. I really want red hair, Carrie. Yep. <laughs> I know. I think people could cosplay Ida. The red hair and the purple dress and like- And the mask. I just want a mask. Yeah. It's like a very striking look. What about themes wise? What are you drawn to as far as, you know, what the movie is really about? I mean- having narcissists in your life that oppress you and squelch your voice. <laughs> That's a big theme for me. Again, being seen and being told to be seen and not heard. Mm -hmm. And like humans are such like, that's what makes us humans is that we can talk and we can sing and we can scream mm -hmm. and to take that, take the ability to communicate from somebody to hold them down. I, that just resonates with me. And, and sometimes it's even us doing it to ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. So finding the power within yourself to find your voice. Yeah. You know, back to one. Ooh, I, got <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, so definitely that, you know, I, I know I as a woman and we're very much a, a feminist film, but I think men, women, all genders, everybody is going to find something to have in common with Ida and somebody in their life has tried to repress them. Oh yeah. I think it's a major thing that, and how do you deal with it? Yeah. And society kind of, I think we're kind of in an interesting time right now, but society wise, there's a lot of sort of themes about yeah. like well, kind of, we have to kind of do this together. Which I feel like there's a lot of uplifting each other more so than 10 years ago when I got here. Mm -hmm. Like there's more yeah. people talking about how much they get paid. Right. And so that we being, can all know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And just being honest up front about expectations and setting boundaries. Like I think boundaries are freeing when you tell somebody what you expect from them. Totally. You know? And yeah. so I think we're getting to, I'm excited to see what the next 10 years will be. I think the four, age 40 to 50 in my career is going to be the most exciting. <laughs> Fantastic. I love that. <laughs> so yeah, I can't wait to see this next decade. Well, you mentioned um, the theme of this podcast. Okay, back to one. Do you have a back to one moment? I filmed a fantasy series in 2015. Okay. And it was so fun. And then we sent out our first cut to all of our friends because we were excited and they love us. But 
there was so much feedback that it kind of depressed us mm -hmm. and ruined the project for us because some of it was unfixable mm -hmm. and we were like this is just like a twenty thousand dollar project that we put our hearts like that was like a house down payment or a car yeah and we invested it in ourselves and kind of missed the mark on some stuff and that was our big like coming out and so even though our friends said it in love that it's not that great <laughs> we were like huh what are we doing here? Yeah. So we had to sit down and kind of regroup and be like, maybe we're not, maybe we're support people, <laughs> not director people. And so I lean more into the picking up more contracts for editing and less predator stuff, which was shooting and editing Yeah. and stopped shooting as much so that I could hone my editing skills. I, I've always loved being by myself in a dark room and kind of like wrestling with stuff, sort of like a puzzle. So yeah. I already knew I loved editing, but that was my big, oh, <laughs> I should stick with what I'm good at. So that, wow. was, and, and I've thrived just editing mm -hmm. and I have more time on my hands and I've gotten more efficient. Mm -hmm. So that way was bringing me back to one, just kind of like giving me a reality check. Yeah. On like, you can dream big, but you should also lean into your gifts. Mm -hmm. I think what is interesting about this theme, this time in my own life, really too, you can't deny that it's painful. Oh yeah. Um, Tears. Yeah. Eating the pillow. <laughs> yes. Sleepless nights. But it's like, I feel like it's going to be better. Like I know that in the end it's going to be better, but like going through that growth, growth is very, it's hard. It's icky. It's like, you don't like your own skin. Yeah. Which doesn't Ooh. feel good. Ooh, that is a good metaphor because like the butterfly getting out of the sort of like chrysalis getting out of its own skin to have the new, the new pretty butterfly. Like the fester night. Oh, wait until you see it. I can't but wait. he doesn't come out of his cocoon as a butterfly. He comes out as a gross, black, <laughs> subhuman creature. Your worst that nightmare. Yeah. Everything your worst nightmares are made of. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. I can't <laughs> wait for the world to meet our fester night. So that, so yeah. So just kind of realizing that you... You can wear many hats as a filmmaker, but there's going to be ones that you're better at. Mm -hmm. And all the things that you learned, just, it's not for not, like you need oh, to. Oh no, I don't regret it. Yeah. I want my 20 grand back, but <laughs> <laughs> I should have just stuck to weekends with my friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it's like, I think a lot of people stop after, after a heartbreak like that, you know? And so I, I, I love that it, it taught you something maybe not the thing you thought was going to come from it but it taught you something and you're still going yeah and I love my my career I you know I'm dreaming bigger than I ever thought I never thought I would get a fantasy film to edit <laughs> so like that's making my dreams come true uh yeah we are dream we are dream makers you are dream makers I swear <laughs> I love it and you guys are doing such cool stuff you inspire me all the time and like you guys decided to reshoot and pick up stuff to make your project better and we just kind of like crawled into a hole and died so like y'all so inspire me I like shot a short film at the end of the year after I met you guys <laughs> with my friends 
on the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Lex is just one of my favorite people, a gem of a human being and a talented collaborator. And she's so prolific, too. You can check out Switched, released by Vertical Entertainment. Alaska is a drag, acquired by Array Releasing and streaming on Netflix. And her new film, The Greatest Inheritance, is available now for pre-order. And I just want to mention that pre-ordering is one of the most important metrics for indie filmmakers. So films that generate 400 pre-orders can be placed more prominently on the VOD platforms. And that really helps their exposure and thus their sales. So if you're interested in learning more about this strategy and why it's so important, you can follow Naomi McDougall-Jones' video blog about her distribution strategy for her film Bite Me. I'll link to it in our show notes. Besides being an indie film distribution guru and a women in film activist, Naomi is also the star of our movie, Suffer. And Naomi and Lex and the whole Suffer family, we're all so excited for you to see what we're cooking up. And if you want to check out some of the footage and read about the film, visit our Seed and Spark page, seedandspark.com slash fund slash suffer. Consider contributing or even just hitting the follow button. It would be a huge help and it's free. More info and direct links are in our show notes. Thanks, everyone. Back to one.